I'm delighted to be joined today by Will Courtney, who's head of race strategy at Red Bull Racing. Uh, Will, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us about your role and the importance of everything that you do. And the race strategy has been paying off lately, so uh, you must be pretty delighted. Yeah, thanks. Uh, no, it's, uh, we've had a good run the last few races. Uh, there's been some pretty interesting strategies going on and uh, lots to talk about from that. So, uh, yeah, it's been good and hopefully we'll carry on like this for the rest of the year. For those that aren't so close to the sport, tell us a little bit about your journey in F1 and, and your role within the team. So I joined Red Bull back in 2004. So I've been with the team for a pretty long time now. Um, I started off doing electronics on the car, but then pretty quickly moved into the race strategy. Uh, and I've been traveling with the team since 2006, doing strategy, head of the department since about 2010. Um, so my sort of role at the race weekends, I suppose the main thing is choosing when we make our pit stops and, and what tires we're going to fit to the car when we do that. Uh, but obviously there's a, a huge amount more involved in, in coming to those decisions. Um, so there's a lot of analysis work that goes on behind the scenes, trying to figure out what is the best strategy, when is the best time to pit, what are the right tyres to fit, that kind of thing. Uh, and also how we're going to deal with situations like safety cars, wet weather, um, any kind of unexpected eventualities like that. So the idea being that whatever the race throws at us, we already know what we're going to do and we're well prepared and hopefully we make the right decisions at the right time. And that software that you're using is fully built in-house or I guess you're not just buying some statistical software off of, off of the shelf here? Oh, it's, it's all developed by us, uh, bespoke for us, obviously. Um, and uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of work that goes into that because obviously the more that you can model and the more you can analyse, uh, the better your decisions will be. Um, so during the race, we're, we're running live simulations. And what those simulations are doing is, is basically trying to predict what's going to happen through the rest of the race. Uh, and it's looking at all the different strategy options that are available to us. Should we one stop? Should we two stop? What on average will give us the best possible score? Uh, and that's them feeding that back to us. And so we've got um, sort of an indication of what the computer thinks is, is the best thing for us to do. Um, but of course, the problem is the computer doesn't understand everything. Um, it doesn't always have awareness of, uh, of the situation or the weather or all these other sort of subtle factors, which a human is aware of that the computer might not understand. So really, I think the, the computer and the simulations that we, we get from it are a guide. Um, but there's got to be some layer of human interpretation on top of that, uh, which we can then hopefully use to make the right decision. And how do you distill all of that information down into, uh, into the bite-sized chunks, summaries and so forth that race en uh, engineers and, and maybe Christian or Jonathan are going to use to, uh, to, to make choices around what the right strategy is? So we've got quite a, a sort of strict discipline. Uh, we have an intercom system uh, which we can use to communicate um, and that also goes back to the factory in Milton Keynes as well. So. Um, between us, we have quite a say, strict protocol, um, so it's not just a free-for-all, everyone shouting at each other. Uh, we have a very disciplined approach, uh, sort of handshaking, so I would say Tom from Will, uh, and then you'd say go ahead and, and so on. So we, we try and keep to that kind of protocol so that uh, we have a very clear line of communication, uh, quite a, a strict hierarchy, um, so we can use that to feed information back to the factory, uh, and across the pit wall at the track so that we're not all talking over each other and uh, the information that is needed can be communicated uh, clearly and, and quickly.
uh, without getting too uh, sort of disrupted. How, uh, how do you plan that with the drivers before? Uh, is there ever, you know, I guess they're on the track feeling the tires? How, how is it? How are they involved in that decision making? Because you've got all of the data and I guess when they're in the car, they're in the, this little cocoon and a little bit isolated from what else is happening out there on the track. There must be a high degree of trust that's necessary that you guys are, are running all the models and, and making the choices for the, for the best result for the team and for them. Yeah, absolutely. The drivers are a very key part of the decision making process. Um, they're the only ones obviously in the car feeling what the tyres are doing. And, and again, I think... You know, we have lots of data and statistics which say this is what the tyres are doing, but it's only really the drivers that can actually feel it. So we'll talk to them before the race and, and give them a bit of an idea of what we think the likely strategies are going to be, um, why we might do a one-stop in some cases or a two-stop in others. Um, but we really need their feedback during the race to say, yeah, OK, the tyres are fine, it's probably going to be a one-stop, or... I know it looks like I'm doing okay, but actually I'm really on the edge here and I, I don't think the tyres are going to get to the end. So that kind of information fed back to us um, it really helps, again, build that sort of bigger picture of, of what's going on in the race. Um, but you're right, certainly the drivers have to have a lot of trust in us that we're making the right decisions because they don't know what traffic they're going to come out if they make a pit stop or, or what the, the bigger picture is. So um, you go back to the example of Max in France. He's leading the race. He's just starting to pull away from the Mercedes and it's all looking quite rosy. And we suddenly tell him we want to pit. So he does it. He comes into the pits. He doesn't question it. But as far as he's concerned, he's like, am I giving up a race win by doing this? But he doesn't. He has the confidence that we know what we're doing and, uh, and he still goes on to win the race. So, um, yeah, the trust is certainly a very important uh, issue for, or a very important uh, factor for us. When it works, I guess, you know, He's patting you all on the back and and uh, Checo too and and I guess uh, if it ever if it ever maybe doesn't play out like you say so many different variables do you, do you debrief with them do you do you explain why the decisions were made in the way that they were made to uh, to help them understand the thinking that's going on there in the pit wall and all of the team behind the scenes yeah absolutely it's after every race we always have a debrief so we'll sit down with the drivers and we'll talk through uh, what went well what didn't go so well. Uh, if we made a mistake, why we made that mistake and, and hopefully what we've learned from that to make sure we don't make that mistake again in the future. Um, I think we're obviously not perfect. Uh, we make mistakes, the drivers make mistakes, but I think as a team, we try and uh, sort of figure out what we can do in the future to avoid that and, and improve from it. So um, I think they, they're generally fairly good at, at understanding that and... Um, and they realise the part that they have to play in trying to help us avoid uh, making mistakes again in the future. When you make that call to, uh, to, make, a, to make a stop, and maybe it's, um, maybe it's different than the strategy you planned. You know, we've seen a few instances where there's been uh, radio comms revealed where you know, the call is made almost on the lap, maybe a few corners before the pit entry. Uh, how does that play out? Just give us a sense of the, the data that's flying around and the recommendations that are going between different members of the team and then that final call to bring the driver in. Maybe, you know, that wasn't the plan, but here, this is the way to do this and to win the race. Yeah, so I think throughout the race, we're always trying to avoid having to make too many split-second decisions. Because obviously, if you haven't got time to think about it, 
you may not make the best decision that you can. So what we're the aim for, for myself as a strategist is to always know what you're going to do given any situation that occurs. So when a safety car comes out, you already know if you're going to pit or not. You're not trying to decide on the fly when that happens. So sat on the pit wall, uh, the, the team back in Milton Keynes will be feeding me information, say how the tyres are performing, what the pit gaps are like behind us and, and what kind of traffic we're going to encounter. Uh, and I'll be taking that on board, plus feedback from the race engineers and the drivers about how they think the tyres are performing. And I'll then have that conversation with Christian and with Adrian. Uh, and between us, we'll agree this is the best course of action so that we already know, are we going to make a two-stop or are we going to pit if the virtual safety car comes out or, or whatever it might be. If it starts raining, how much rain would it take for us to come in for wet tyres? It's all those sorts of things we're trying to preempt so that when an eventuality does occur we already know what we're doing and it and it's not having to sort of react at that moment so although we might be telling the drivers at the last possible moment that we're going to pit we've probably made that decision three four laps earlier so it might be a surprise for the drivers but it, it wouldn't be for us um, and obviously we're just doing that so that other teams don't know what we're going to do and they can't preempt or, or react to our decisions there's definitely a bit of skullduggery and, you know, <laughs> a little bit of, uh, uh, yeah, trying to gain that edge. I mean, how, I guess in this social media and, and um, getting the fans closer and closer to the action, we're hearing more radio, we're seeing more stats about, you know, different cars, their tyre wear, all of the performance and, uh, and data. Does that just make your job even more complex? <laughs> In some ways, it makes it more complex. In other ways, it makes it a bit easier. Um, for instance, a few years ago, they, they opened up all of the driver-to-pit to communication. So we can now listen in to all the other teams and what they're telling their drivers and what their drivers are saying. So that actually is quite helpful for us. So we, we get a bit of an idea of it, what kind of strategy someone's going to do. Um, you know, a Mercedes struggling with their tyres or, or not. And, and that helps, again, build the picture for us of what, kind of strategy they might follow and therefore what's the best thing for us to do. Um, so it certainly adds a lot more workload for us, um, but obviously it's extremely useful information and data that we're trying to take on board. But obviously they're also listening to us. Um, yeah. So we're trying to, trying to communicate information to our drivers and get the feedback, but without giving too much away. Um, so you end up with this sort of like, I mean, it's not exactly like coded messages, but you do need to be careful about what you say and, and how you say it, because you don't want to make it too obvious what you're planning on doing. But uh, yeah. I think that's all part of the fun, really. It is part of the fun, and it's definitely added a new dimension. We spoke with uh, Jonathan as well, and, and uh, the new little bit that kind of, I, I guess they keep peeling back the layer of the onion here, and uh, the communication between, directly between the pit wall and the FIA was just a kind of new dimension that really kind of added another... Uh, a sense of uh, connectivity between the fans and, and what goes on, which I guess just makes it far more interesting to, uh, to watch as a fan. And particularly for someone that's a bit of a data geek like me, I love all of the telemetry and following it along on the app and seeing how the tyre performance is going. Um, yeah, it, it, but it's a balance, I guess. Yeah, I think, I think it is, it's a really positive thing for the fans because I sometimes will have a, a race which actually ends up being a, a relatively boring race from the sort of outside perspective 
maybe just one car leading all the way through the race and wins quite comfortably. But there's always so much more going on behind the scenes that the fans, it's, it's difficult for them to, to see. So the more access and information they get, that they can see actually all the, the drama that, that could have unfolded. Okay, maybe it didn't, but there's certainly plenty. It's like a, you know, the swans sort of gliding across the lake and it all looks very serene, but the, the legs are paddling away pretty busily underneath. But and until you can see that, it just looks very straightforward. So I think it does, it's really good that they're opening up a lot more of this sort of data and information to the people back home. Yeah, I mean, and Drive to Survive shows another, you know, probably brought tons of additional fans because it's just such great drama and the politics and, you know, the, the, I guess the human aspect of it as well. You know, at the end of the day, this is a sport that isn't just about the driver in the car. This is a true team performance. If, if the pit stop goes wrong, if the call to bring someone in too early or too late, you know, is made... It affects, it affects the driver winning, but also the team. And there's just so many components that come together for success. Yeah, absolutely. Like if we have a, a bad pit stop, the fans at home will, will you know, be upset that we've had a, a slow pit stop. But you know, that'll be one guy that's maybe made a mistake during the pit stop. And you can be pretty sure he'll be beating himself up about it for you know, a good few days afterwards. Um, and I think it's important to see that these are real people with, with real lives that are being affected by this and, and we're not all robots. We do make mistakes and, and, uh, yeah. and we have to acknowledge that. How much, is, um, how much is next year playing on your mind? Do you have to work on you know, what next year looks like yet or are you and your team very much in the moment looking at historic data? Uh, there's obviously some big changes coming. Uh, is that something that's exciting? Is it something that you're not thinking about yet? How's that kind of playing out for you? I think whenever there's a, a change, it's obviously exciting. Um, it's nice for us to be given fresh challenges. Um, otherwise, it would get a bit stale for us if we're just doing the same thing all the time. Um, I think the main thing for us next year is, is the change of tyres and, and the wheel size and how that's going to affect things. Um, so we're already testing some of those those tyres this year. Uh, so we're starting to, to gather some data on that and trying to assess how that's going to affect race strategy next year. Um, but really, I think for the moment, our, our main focus is on this season and trying to get the, the best out of, of this year. Uh, and then as we get closer towards the end of the year and over the winter, then we'll really start getting stuck into to next year and how that's going to affect things. I mean, I, I'm, I can't wait to see that and how that plays out. I mean, it's, it's a completely new aspect that I guess is going to throw up so many new variables and potential uh, uh, different teams maybe perform better over the shorter sprint. We know that you know, teams that are kind of midfield or, or lower down are sometimes faster on the straight. So it, it, over a shorter distance, is that going to play out? Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's going to be incredibly exciting to see. I'm not sure that the, are the drivers and teams so into it. There's a little bit of... <laughs> I, think, I think it's pretty varied, but I, I think the thing with, with something like this, you don't really know until you try it. You yeah. can have a, an idea of what you think is going to happen, but, um, but I, you know, with, for instance, we've only got one practice session before we're into qualifying. So if you get your setup wrong and, and you, you're stuck with that, then for the rest of the whole weekend. So for even things like that, which maybe is not obvious from the outside, that could make or break your weekend. So... There could be a few unexpected things that get thrown up because of it. Yeah, and I guess taking data in from previous years at any track, I mean, we saw the variability in performance 
just between two races, one week after another in, in a single track in Austria. So I guess you're feeding in data about the, the tires because they were different for the different races, for the track temperature, the weather, all of these factors. I mean, it really does show how much all of that has an influence on the strategy, the car setup and all of those things. And you've got to bring all of that together into your data model and, and build strategies and scenario plan. Absolutely. I think, as you say, weather is obviously a very key factor. Um, it was a lot cooler at the, the second weekend in Austria, for instance, and so therefore the, the tyre behaviour was very different. Uh, we all kind of thought it might be a two-stop race because we went softer on the tyres, but actually the cooler weather conditions kind of balanced that out, so it ended up being more of a one-stop again. Um, but a lot is dependent on the weather, um, and obviously things like rain as a yet another sort of dynamic to it. Are you, are you a bit of a... I mean, are you a data geek? I'm a, da I'm a data geek. <laughs> how, I mean, that must be quite interesting to see how it all comes together with, uh, yeah, looking at... One minute you're looking at a weather radar, the next minute you're looking at tyre performance. I mean, I'd be, I'd be absolutely just just grinning from ear to ear every week when that all comes together and plays out. I mean, I, I think I'd have to admit I probably am a bit of a data geek. <laughs> really, I couldn't really do this job if I wasn't. Um, I mean, I, I think that's almost one of the biggest challenges for us is that now we have so much data trying, yeah. to, trying to figure out the sort of the underlying trends from all the noise and the information that we, that we get. Uh, and not also trying to work out the trends, but then also trying to predict what's going to then happen in the future. Um, that's the tricky bit. It's easy to say what, what happened today or what happened yesterday, but what's going to happen tomorrow, that, that's, that's a lot harder. Um, and that's when you need you know, data going back over several seasons to, to then try and spot those kind of trends. OK, it's going to be hotter on Sunday. How's that going to affect the tyres? Uh, or the wind's going to change direction. What's, what's that going to mean for the, the strategy? And... and that's when having tons and tons of data really helps. But obviously, the more data you have, the, the harder it is to manage it all. So it's, it's quite a good challenge. The, the wind factor is something that I think we've heard a lot more about over the last couple of years, actually, which was probably something I wasn't so appreciative of. Um, is that just because of the, the shape of the car at the minute? Or, you know, that was, or has it always been there and it's just something that wasn't talked about so openly in the public domain? I think it's always been there. Um, it depends a lot on how sensitive the tyres are. Uh, with the Pirellis that we have, obviously they, they have degradation and they, ha they have wear, so that will tend to affect their tyre performance. So some tracks, the wind doesn't make much difference. Maybe the track's quite sheltered. Um, other circuits, it make a huge difference. Um, and the wind direction and the wind strength will make, will make a big difference to that. Generally, the windier it is, the more the car tends to slide around. Uh, and it's that sort of sliding which can tend to increase the degradation, increase the wear. Um, so if you go to Bahrain, for instance, and it's a, a very windy day in the desert, you'll have a very different kind of tyre performance to if it's a very still day there. So trying to understand that and factor that in is, is, uh, is a, say, it's another key important part of my role. You're bringing all of this data together. Um, I was always a little bit... Uh, skeptical of this term from some years ago called big data, uh, basically lots of data. Um, what uh, what role does AI play? Machine learning is that something that you're starting to really leverage um, solutions to interpret and 
and uh, and aid you in quick decision making in the moment. Yeah, certainly machine learning and, and all that kind of stuff is something that we're is expanding a lot. Uh, it's, it's quite a fast developing area for us at the moment. Um, so we're trying to use that really to help improve our, our strategy models and our simulations. Um, it's, it's fairly easy to come up with a, a relatively sort of dumb model of the race, if you like, but obviously other teams aren't dumb. They, they react to what we're doing and they have their own intelligence. So we're trying to model that and trying to sort of recreate their responses and, and their reactions as, as best we possibly can. And that's when the sort of artificial intelligence and the machine learning can really help so that you're not, you're not sort of racing against a, a, a say, a dumb computer. You're, you're trying to simulate as best as possible real people and their, and their emotions and their, and their decision making. You yeah, you talk about the emotions. So, I mean, in that pre-race kind of strategy session, how much of it is the human feel and sense of uh, a gut feel, I suppose? We're going to go for it. We're going to go for this one. Do you, do you get frustrated? It's like, ah, oh, we've got all this data and we've just made a call based on a hunch. Um, <laughs> how, how, t how tense does that get in terms of that debate on on the strategy and how much data plays a part and how much emotion and human feel plays a part? Yeah, I think it certainly is a big factor. Um, before the race in, in the briefing on Sunday morning, um, we'll discuss about the kind of race strategies that we're planning on doing and under what circumstances we do one or the other. Um, but obviously part of that, that process is trying to persuade the drivers and the other engineers that that is the right approach to take. So, for instance, if, if one of our drivers had a, a bad run on a tyre in practice, he might not be keen on using that tyre in the race, but you've got to persuade him, well, OK, but on Friday it was really hot, so of course you had a lot of degradation, but it's a lot cooler today, so the tyre's going to behave quite differently. So, you know, you're trying to sort of overcome that sort of, in some cases, gut reaction, and trying to use that data to say, yeah, I, I understand why you feel that way, but trust me, uh, on average this is going to be the best approach for us to take. And you really need the, the drivers and the engineers to buy into it because the last thing you want is a driver going into a race not having the confidence that what you're doing is the right thing to do. So trying to convince them this is the best approach, this is what's going to score you the most points is it's not always easy, but it's a very important aspect of it. And do you, over time, I assume you've kind of thought about techniques, tactics, levels of information that work best with with different drivers, um, you know, okay, Max likes pie charts and Checo likes just bullet points. We're very lucky we've, we've got two extremely good drivers and, um, and I, I think they, they've both got a lot of experience and, and have a good feel for, for strategy and, and, and how that sort of thing might unfold. Um, but I, I think it's more about how you sort of sell the strategy to them. So uh, Max is, is quite an aggressive driver and you know, he'll always want to be quite aggressive in his strategy choice, but that's not necessarily the best thing to do. So perhaps if it's a bit borderline before a race, you might say, okay, well, the default plan is a two-stop, so that, that's going to be our, our main aim. But maybe under some circumstances, you might switch to a one-stop. Uh, and generally, he'd be fairly happy with that approach. Um, Checo maybe is the other way around. He's, um, he's well-renowned for being quite sort of gentle on his tyres. So quite often, the, the best approach for him is is maybe he might be able to make a one-stop work when no one else can. So for him, you're, you're maybe trying the opposite approach. So it's, 
you do get a bit of an idea of what the driver's like and, and how they want to approach things. So you're trying to um, still do the best thing for the team, but, but trying to sell it to them in a way that you know it's going to appeal to them uh, and they're going to buy into it. Excellent. I mean, that's such fascinating insight. And I guess with a new driver having joined in 2021, you know, that throws up, you know, a new style of management and maybe presentation of data and, and uh, human relationship with, with someone that's, you know, a, a completely different entity than, than you were previously working with. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, one of the, the first things I, I noticed about Checo was he's, he's really interested in, in how his pace is compared to everybody else, how his degradation is. He's really hungry for that kind of data. Uh, and he always wants to compare himself to Max and, and the other sort of drivers around him, um, which, uh, which was perhaps a bit of a surprise. So I sat down with him in, in Bahrain and he was straight into me, like question after question after question. It was quite a, a bombardment of information that he was after. Um, whereas Max is uh, just not quite as data hungry, I think, as that. So it was certainly quite a different contrast, or it's quite a contrast between our two drivers from that sense. So. But you very quickly get used to that and you know the kind of questions the driver's going to ask and the information they're after. So you get prepared for that and you've got the, the information ready for when they ask for it. Well, over the last few weeks, um, there's been a few miscommunications, unfortunately not with, with Red Bull, uh, or at least not that we heard on the, on the uh, race coverage, but with some of the other teams where radio communications were crackly or uh, I think in Baku there's an issue with the buildings being quite... Um, challenging in terms of radio signal just how important so give us a sense of that of that sharpness of communication and and you've put all of this energy and effort into you know making that choice and then it gets communicated but executed in in the wrong way um do, do you see that as a, as a challenge in in the sport and for the team i think the the clarity of communication with the drivers is, a, is an extremely important aspect for us um we say we need to get information to the driver to make him understand about what we're planning on doing and why. Um, but perhaps even more importantly, he's trying to get the feedback from the drivers, as I, as I said earlier, about how the tyres are behaving, how, how their pace is perhaps in comparison to the cars around them. And, and um, so getting that feedback from the drivers makes a huge difference. So if you can't understand what the driver's saying, you don't have that information and suddenly you, you lose a very important part of that. Um, so, yeah, being able to understand what they're trying to communicate to us is very important. And it's something that we do work on with the drivers. Is Obviously, they're in the car. Um, they're pretty stressed because it's a stressful environment to be in. Um, so if they've got an issue, trying to get them to calmly and clearly explain that issue to us without just shouting at the top of their voice, you know, I've got a problem with the engine or something like this, um, is like, OK, well, what is the problem? You know, when is it happening? Is it a serious problem or is it a minor issue? And, and trying to understand, OK, what actually is it they're trying to communicate to us is very important. So trying to sort of coach the drivers, OK, we need this information, but we, we need you to tell us in a way that we can understand it and then do something about it rather than just coming on the radio and blurting out loud something that we can't understand. Um, so that, that yeah. kind of feedback is, is crucial. And, and maybe also, you know, uh, is it a factor that you maybe sometimes don't want another team to, to know a certain detail about the engine performance or, or the tyres? But, but also, I think we've seen, and it's back to that, 
it's back to that uh, misdirection point, a little bit of a, of a, oh yeah, tires don't feel so good, but actually they're fine. Uh, is that something you kind of coach them through and work through? We've, we've talked about that kind of gamesmanship, you know, like, do we say, okay, yeah, yeah. if you say it in a certain way, that means it's the opposite or, or something like that. Uh, <laughs> obviously you just have to be very careful about that, that we don't end up confusing ourselves more than anybody else. So it's a, it's a risky game to play if you go down that route um, because you might end up misunderstanding what they're trying to say and, and getting it the wrong way around yourself. Um, so we have things like switches on the steering wheel that the drivers can use to give us feedback for, for certain things. Um, and obviously that's not communicated to other teams. Um, but the problem with that, obviously, that it's very limited in the amount of information and data they can send us that way. Um, so you don't get the kind of the context, perhaps, or, or, the, or the, the level of, um, you know, the sort of the, the richness, if you like, of that information back to us is something that really they can only communicate with their, with their voices. Um, but, uh, but yeah, certainly you don't want to give the whole game away. Say, you know, I'm really struggling with the tyres. I think we should do a two-stop. Then, okay, well, now everybody knows that and they're going to be expecting yeah, that. Yeah, we should probably uh, pause on that bit of the conversation here as well. Otherwise, we might uh, reveal something. <laughs> um, they might be looking out for a switch on the steering wheel now, the, the other teams. Um, Will, thanks so much. Before we, uh, before we say goodbye, you're sitting there in MK7. Um, I said the same thing to Jonathan. It, it, I'm kind of jealous of your view out of that window with all the, all the championship cars there lined up. And there's, there's four cars in particular that um, were a little bit uh, special. Not that every car isn't special, but are you starting to, um, to wonder if this year is a year where you, you go that extra step and, and win it? Or are you taking things race by race and, and more in the moment? Well, obviously, we certainly hope it's going to prove to be a, another successful year for us. And we're all trying as hard as we can to make sure it is. Um, I think as, as we sit here today, it's, it's looking promising. But the trouble is that that points gap at the moment, it's, it's still pretty fragile. We just need one bad race with, with two DNFs and, and Mercedes are right back in it. So I think we're doing everything we can to make sure that we keep on pushing on and we keep on increasing that, that points margin. But, uh, but we've seen in the past how quickly things can turn around. Um, you know, a few races back, it was Mercedes that were leading both championships and it, it could just as easily flip back again. So uh, we hope it won't. We're doing everything we can to avoid it, but uh, I'm not counting any chickens just yet. Well, we wish you the best and uh, we're following along with a lot of excitement. Will, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a really fascinating chat. I think, uh, I think our viewers will really you know, geek out over some of the details that you've shared. And, and uh, yeah, you have a fascinating role within the team. So best wishes for the rest of the year. Thanks for taking your time. No problem. With us. Thanks very much. It's been, uh, it's been good to chat to you. Thank you.